0: Welcome to another episode of the V Auto Podcast Retail Revival Series. I'm Randy Kobat with Cox Automotive, and I'll be your host for today's podcast. Today's episode features Philip Gill, General Sales Manager at Tom Gill Chevrolet in Florence, Kentucky. Phil's got an interesting story. The COVID-19 pandemic hit just as he was beginning to hit his stride with a transition away from velocity management to provision profit time.
1: By the time March came around, We were kind of fully into that transition and March was on a tear for us. We were seeing some better turns because we were adapting some of that inventory, but we were seeing some increasing gross profits as well. And then, you know, on March 23rd, all of a sudden in the state of Kentucky, I was relegated to online sales and curbside deliveries only as the showroom got closed.
0: In some ways, the pandemic helped Phil put his transition to profit time into high gear. It forced him to look at his current inventory and overall market conditions, find his footing, and start to make some headway that resulted in a storewide sales record in used vehicles for the month of May.
1: A lot of that success was from the fact that my inventory was really, really well positioned. I wasn't sitting on old stuff anymore. Went into May with four what I called my pre-COVID vehicles.
0: My conversation with Phil covers a lot of ground including how he's looking at used vehicles to make up a shortfall in new vehicle inventory and how he's moving aggressively into digital retailing an area of his business that prior to the pandemic had been important but now it's a centerpiece for how he plans to do business in the months and years ahead
1: obviously the the days of business interruption were challenging but on the whole there's man there's to me it was kind of like a A kick in the butt to just push forward some of the projects we were sitting there, not necessarily dragging our feet on, but probably just thinking too much
0: about. Thank you for joining today's podcast. Let's get to my conversation with Phil. Phil Gill from Tom Gill Chevrolet in Florence, Kentucky. Welcome to our podcast.
1: Thanks, Randy. Happy to be here.
0: Thank you for joining us. I really appreciate your time today. So I think where we'd like to start is maybe your background. It looks like you know you worked for the dealership while in college and then had a couple positions maybe even outside the car business before you came back. So let's start there. What were the roles outside of the car business and what brought you back to the dealership?
1: Sure. So um, outside of the car business, so after I graduated uh, college, I was an accounting and information systems major in college. Graduated there and went to work for a uh, company named TJX. They're the corporate company for TJ Maxx, Marshalls, and Home Goods. And so I worked with them on basically kind of as a business analyst, but effectively I had control over shipping product for certain business segments to all the TJ Maxx stores across the country in order to maximize turn effectively. So worked closely with the buyers to make sure what they were buying was ending up in the right place to make sure that that inventory turned as quickly as possible. So I worked with them for a little bit over a year. And then my dad, who is uh, the dealer principal at Tom Gill Chevrolet, put the hard press on me to come back and um, started to move back into the dealership. But uh, before starting full time back in the dealership after that, I spent about six months with the Pamukala Group. They're our CPA firm. They do mostly dealership accounting work. I spent six months with them through their busy season doing audit tax work and a little bit of a financial analysis. Well,
0: wow, that's really interesting. So being a, a client of ours, you're intimately involved with inventory management at the dealership. That is correct. So compare and contrast inventory management at a big retailer like TJ Maxx and the experience you had there versus the car dealership.
1: Yeah, you know, it was actually really interesting. When I was there, one of the big corporate pushes for TJ Maxx was increasing their turn and cutting the amount of just
0: that sounds familiar.
1: Exactly. (laughs) And uh, it was really about cutting the amount of excess inventory that they were carrying just in their warehouses or things along those lines. So it was basically shortening the cycle of acquisition of inventory to the sale of that inventory and then doing it over again. So, you know, for our business segments that I was in, the, the goal was basically a four week term for the inventory across the country. Which, especially at that point in time, really aligns, and still now aligns very closely with what we're trying to accomplish here at the dealership and what many dealers are striving for, at least, you know, turning that inventory at least 12 times a year.
0: I know you've been focused on used cars, and I understand you've been beginning to leverage profit time at the beginning of this year. So what factors led you to consider profit time and make it part of your used vehicle inventory management strategy? Sure.
1: So I directly, just a little background here, I directly ran our used vehicle department for about three and a half years. And, you know, in that time, from a volume standpoint, we went from selling uh, roughly 70 vehicles a month up to last year's average was 163 vehicles a month. And you know, I actually signed up with Profit Time as soon as it was released. I was on board with Profit Time. And it was one of those things though that I was kind of playing around with. I was watching, but I didn't necessarily have a full grasp of how to use it, right? I was in the discovery phase of how to apply it to the inventory. And as this was going on, I was also doing some deep analysis of our inventory as far as what's turning, what are the grosses, where where am I doing it? Because what I was finding was that it was becoming difficult in the sense that I had to increase my turns because my cars at a certain point were then becoming unprofitable, but it was happening sooner than I would like. So it was like, okay, I was thinking through, how do I fix this? And somebody at that point in time had requested that I pick up Dale's book, Gross Deception, I read through that and it was like, oh man, I wish I'd read this six months ago. And that kind of developed into implementing that in a much harder way, Kind of the profit time strategy, the acquisition strategy, how to get rid of the cars, and kind of thinking through the pricing of the vehicles based on the profit time score. Started implementing that pretty hard at the beginning of this year and um, really had it going quite well up until COVID-19 kind of changed the game for a brief period of time there. Yeah
0: and it sounds like your early findings those were the same that we had that drove us to develop profit time was the window within which a used car has a profitability opportunity was shrinking right getting smaller and smaller and you saw that and lo and behold profit time's helping you manage that in a different way yeah it was
1: really funny because a lot of the things i was finding i started reading profit time and i'm like oh my gosh this is exactly what i'm seeing and It was interesting because the good thing was that because I was already a pretty big believer in, you know, turning the inventory and I was already pretty much practicing because something I learned at TJX was, you know, your buying pattern should be supported by what you're selling. And, you know, one of the big things I learned from them was things weren't selling. uh, Those buyers didn't have money to buy more right? It was about how do we, we got to sell out of what we got, right? So, you know, I was already attuned to that sort of stuff. So when I started implementing the profit time strategy, luckily I was in a pretty good position to where it didn't cause a whole bunch of heartache. You know, it was just re-looking at my inventory from a different light and saying, okay, what am I doing with these pieces of inventory now? And it was seeing some really good results. You know, by the time March came around, We were kind of fully into that transition and March was on a tear for us. We were seeing some better turns because we were adapting some of that inventory, but we were seeing some increasing gross profits as well. And then, you know, on March 23rd, all of a sudden in the state of Kentucky, I was relegated to online sales and curbside deliveries only as the showroom got closed. So that pivoted to a slightly different strategy for that period of time. But, you know, as we're coming out of this, we're starting to re-implement those profit time things that I I think are really going to help us in the long.
0: So you were all on board with Profit Time, really using the solution to help you manage your inventory on the used car side. And then the pandemic hit, and you mentioned a little bit about it. So Florence, Kentucky, real close to Cincinnati, you had the lockdown in place and you couldn't open your showrooms or just give us the lay of the land. What happened when the pandemic hit?
1: Yeah, sure. So as you mentioned, we we compete with the Cincinnati market is what we're considered to be in. And it was interesting because Ohio still allowed auto dealers to keep showrooms open and Kentucky did not. Basically, we were up against a closed showroom. Like I said, we could do online sales, we could do so home deliveries or the customer could come in for curbside like test drives or pickup, or anything along those lines. Thankfully, uh, one of the big focuses of our store over the past several years has been really developing an Internet sales team and making sure people can really adapt to the way a customer wants to buy a car. And so while there was a transition, it wasn't as dramatic as I imagine some dealers would have had to go through. You know, it was about a two week period of time of really sitting there and watching how this was going to unfold, right? How are my people going to react? What's the demand going to be? And we started to see, okay, there is a demand here. So, you know, one of the big things I did was I said, we're gonna try to sell cars, which I watched closely to start adapting my retail prices to where the market was going. And the goal was to really get rid of the cars I had at that point in time, because if you were watching the wholesale side of the business, prices were dropping. And it was like, well, there's a big opportunity there. You know, if I can acquire cars at a cheaper price and there's not a lot of movement within the marketplace as far as overall inventory. I've got an opportunity to really solidify good grosses with good prices. And that was kind of the strategy we took throughout back half of March and through April and part of May.
0: One of the things that I really liked, I was looking at your website before we began to chat here, and it's really clean right? You have a real simple call to action. There's, you know, just one form fill with maybe some drop down. You can even apply for financing right there. Is that new or was that in place before the pandemic hit and before you were kind of relegated to online focused?
1: Most of that was already in place. You know, some of the wording we changed around and things along those lines, but the cleanness, the simple form fills, things like that we were already operating with. Now, since it happened, we have seen huge increase in engagement with those things and that's been really fun to watch and interact with but that was something we were already kind of implementing as a strategy pre-pandemic
0: so you mentioned deciding to sell cars and you know working with your team there to move the business forward some of the people that we've talked with on this podcast kind of started with a position of, well, maybe I'll sell three and acquire one to try to move your inventory off the lot because inventory was backing up for most of us. What was your approach there? Did you get more aggressive with pricing or you tried to just match the market? You
1: know, my inventory was in about an, it was in an okay position. So we were we were going into the pandemic with right around 150 units in inventory. Over that first two weeks where I put a kind of a halt on buying, uh, that inventory dwindled to about 130. And then what I did was I did a basically a reanalysis of what am I selling? And I said, okay, at that point in time, any vehicle I had under $10,000 in trucks were selling really well for. It. So I said, okay, here's an opportunity to buy. Let me start there. So we started, you know, and then I just was micromanaging basically segments of my inventory as far as their sale rates were going. And that's where I was focusing my buying. And, and as things picked up, Other segments started picking up. Some segments dropped off. You know, it was kind of an adaptation, but effectively, instead of a whole inventory, I was really micromanaging the segments of my inventory and saying what's working, what's not working, and then targeting those segments that were working.
0: Very, very smart approach. So now we've been through a lot of the lockdown period. Many states are beginning to phase in a more open economy So how did May turn out for you guys there?
1: So May was a great month. We actually, from a sales standpoint, we beat last May by one car. So I'm not going to complain about that. (laughs) It was a used car volume record for the store as well.
0: Congratulations. So
1: April was off, but we were also working with literally a third of my entire sales staff. And we we finished down about 30% in April. And then May, we just carried that momentum forward, brought a few people back on and really, really rocked it out in May. But I think a lot of that success was from the fact that my inventory was really, really well positioned. I wasn't sitting on old stuff anymore. Went into May with four, what I called my pre-COVID vehicles. Now, if I look at that, there was definitely some gross hit I took for get rid of the other ones. You know, it was a really clean inventory going into May and I had the benefit of a great position in the marketplace to go along with it. So, you know, May turned out to be really well and and June's off to a pretty good start for us too.
0: I mentioned the website and you said maybe you tweaked some wording. You know, I think this has really brought digital retailing to the forefront going through this pandemic and the shelter in place, orders, et cetera. Are you contemplating doing anything differently with digital retailing as we go forward or embracing other components of it or, or how do you think that's going to evolve?
1: We've been involved with some level of digital retailing since, you know, I, I think it was pretty new to the scene. We were playing around with it and we've just continued to invest in it and continue to work it what i'm really liking about i guess coming out of what just happened is that we are very well positioned and probably fast forwarded some parts of the digital retailing and i think it did so on an industry level so it's like all of a sudden you know our our darwin menu we had remote signing capabilities and with dealer track for e-contracting we had remote signing capabilities and the digital retailing customers were engaging in with a lot more. Right. So as an industry standpoint, I think we saw a lot of benefit from there because it just fast forwarded everything and forced companies to get products to the market, which I was really happy to see. And then for us, it fast forwarded some plans. We were already kind of in the early stages of the transition. And so it basically was just like, okay, we're going now. And you know, it kind of worked out pretty well because with, the smaller sales team I had working, we just went for it. And we're able to implement some changes and get some things rocking and rolling. And I was able to bring people back into that world rather than the fighting of changing it when everybody's just kind of stuck into what they're doing. You know, we're pushing forward to digital retailing. We're gonna continue to push forward with it. A lot of our advertising now is still pushing people to interact with us online rather than to come into the store. It's just created a lot more efficient sales team for us. You know, hopefully we can keep that going because as an organization are really liking what we're seeing.
0: And so now through May, now we're in early June, I'm assuming your showrooms are open? The
1: showrooms are open uh, in the state of Kentucky. Capacity is still limited to 25 percent. And, you know, we are getting some walk-in traffic. So the back half of May, we effectively could have that same capacity in our showrooms. But overall, about 85 percent of our traffic was still appointment based. And we're seeing very similar trends at the beginning of June
0: and that's what we're really seeing that digital retailing sticking right is even though showrooms are open consumers are still interested in beginning the process or maybe even completely going through the process online remotely
1: so now we're in the transition we had basically a split sales team of some guys working sales floor and then our we had guys doing our internet sales so working the internet leads and our big push now has been basically three guys on the sales floor that we're about to be promoted in the internet team so we we made that and then we're giving the rest of the floor team through june to say hey you know we've partnered you up with some of our top internet sales guys to learn the ropes and uh, if you can make it through this month of training you're you're going to be in there and basically we're transitioning and pushing our whole sites to how can we meet the customer online and control it from that point rather than wait for them just to walk into our
0: We've talked a lot about the used car side of the business. How are things going on the new vehicle side? And what do you see as top issues or priorities there?
1: So number one top issue, which I I don't think is anything hidden, is just inventory levels. And how long is that going to last? Being a Chevrolet dealer, you know, General Motors is just getting their factories back up and running. It looks like we're gonna be running with an extremely lean inventory through most of the summer. And so that's obviously a little concerning, <laughs> concerning to us, which just puts pressure on the used car business. So to me, that's probably the, the largest concern is just, where's it gonna go? I mean, you know, we're, we're a store that is usually carrying somewhere between about 220 new cars on lot. Ideal inventory is probably about 250 new cars on lot we will probably be under a hundred (laughs) cars by the end of today. So, you know, that's obviously concerning.
0: (laughs) We've seen that across the market, the steady decline of available inventory on the new car side with the OEMs, you know, not making cars for a few months. And it's fascinating to me, you know, they're going back to work, they're starting up the production lines, but to actually have those cars now hit your lot, to your point, could take you know, a couple more months.
1: Yeah. You know, it was interesting because when you look at General Motors, since the strike last October, they've basically been closed 50% of the time through the strike and the pandemic.
0: Oh, wow. I hadn't thought about it in the longer term like that.
1: We were finally getting back to like pre-strike inventory levels right when the pandemic hit. So it was like, oh man, you got to be kidding me.
0: So some of our clients are thinking about how this, you know, new car availability might change their used car strategy. Is are you doing any thinking along those lines? It's
1: been super interesting right now because we are all getting to see some very interesting things happen in the marketplace. In the sense that, you know, we watched COVID hit, used car prices take a very strong drop, and now we're seeing used car prices that are even higher than you know going into this whole thing. And and you're talking you know, early March, which is typically uh, approaching a high point of the market is where everybody's buying for the spring market. You know, the cars are transacting above that. So, you know, a lot of my thought right now is, man, how are we managing and navigating through this when the vast majority of the cars out there to buy, because trades aren't as many just because of lower new car inventories, are transacting at literally 100% of retail market you know, and and how do you navigate that and still be competitive? And and that's kind of a lot of what we're trying to figure out in store. And I got to say, it's been quite a challenge. I don't have an answer for it right now.
0: Something that we're all trying to think through and manage through, and we'll be continuing to provide information to the market as we think about that exact challenge that you're talking about. What do you consider as maybe a silver lining if there are any What are one or two things that really came out of the crisis that you think will help your business going forward?
1: Well, I've got to say, you know, it's one of those things to where obviously the the days of business interruption were challenging, but on the whole, there's, man, there's, to me, it was kind of like a, a kick in the butt to just push forward some of the projects we were sitting there, not necessarily dragging our feet on, but probably just thinking too much about. And so, like I was saying, some of this transition to even a more digital side of things, really instituting digital retailing and starting to bring that not only online, but into the showroom as well. And how do we connect You know, how do we really get that omni-channel experience within the store? That's been super exciting about it. It's uh, really highlighted to me that if we can keep the customer online and really start from there, how efficient. A single product specialist at my store can be. And when you really think about that, you think about what an even greater opportunity this business could be for attracting and recruiting and retaining talent, because they can be more efficient, they can sell more cars, which means they can, you know, they can earn a better living for themselves. To me, I think it's just highlighted a lot of probably what was sitting there in front of us, but you know, people were used to a certain way of doing things. And so you had to continue living in that world. And I think this gives us a great opportunity and it really excites me to say, hey, can I solidify my customers into this post pandemic world? And man, that could mean a lot for my organization long-term as far as structure, recruiting, interacting with customers, being more efficient. You know, I just think there's a lot of really, really good things sitting there. And it kind of highlighted to me that, you know, our inventory control strategies and how we're approaching things really are, they've worked not only in good times, but they've all also worked through an extremely difficult time. So, you know, that it highlights to me that we're on the right path. The changes we're making are probably the right things. And we just got to keep adapting to it and, and finding ways to dig into that digital side of the business more and more. Quite honestly, I think when we come out of this, I'm going to sit back and say, wow, those 45 days of extremely challenging times were probably some of the better days for the organization because it forced us to get even better really quick. And, you know, really, I mean, it was like every week we were adapting to something new. So, you know, it was very unique. I'm I'm kind of excited with where our organization stands right now and where it's probably going to go in the future.
0: Yeah, I've mentioned it before on this podcast, but I'm just amazed at the resilience of our industry. You know, the story you've shared is, you know, similar to others that I've heard. And it's been an opportunity for us to just focus in on, you know, some of the basics and get some things done that we might have waited on, given the robust sales that were happening prior to the lockdowns. Well, Phil Gill, thank you very much for joining us today. And we really appreciate you spending the time and sharing your story on our podcast. Well, thank you, Randy.
1: It was a pleasure being on here.
0: Have a great day. Yeah, you as well. Thanks. And my thanks to all of you for listening to today's Dealer Voices conversation. Please share this podcast with any of your friends that you think could benefit from hearing these insights. Stay tuned for our next podcast episode and thank you for joining us today. We'll see you very soon.